Welcome to This Fleeting Breath, the podcast where a bunch of pastors get together and discuss the news of the week and the sermons that they heard on Sunday morning. This is Jesse Ramsey. And I'm Heath Chambers. Let's go to the basement. Uh, tonight we're here with Luke Lunsford uh, and, of course, Brother Heath. And uh, tonight we're going to be um, talking about some, some books. Uh, Luke, Luke is a... Uh, I, well, I'll, I'll not steal Luke's thunder. I'll let him tell a little bit exactly about what he does. Um, uh, but Luke likes to read, and it is part of what he does for an occupation. And, uh, of course, Heath reads all the time. I don't read, so I'm just going to facilitate this conversation <laughs> uh, and uh, go from there. But before we get into all that, um, Brother Andy was talking about this morning in church before uh, uh, Brother Davis uh, preached this morning. He was talking about the situation in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and talking about, um, you know, the Taliban going door to door, you know, searching people's houses and, and looking for signs that would lead them to believe they were a Christian or signs that showed that they were, you know, whatever. And so he found this article and he sent it out and it's... it's um, it's really it's gut wrenching to think about what they're going through over there. Um, you know, there's there's one line in here. It talks about their all they can do basically is run for the hills. That's this where they're at. They're you know seeking asylum in a closed country. Um, but it uh, he this this made me think a lot about one of those first conversations that we had. You know, several weeks back about. The church is going to have to unify, mm-hmm. and you know, we don't know what these brothers and sisters believe. We don't know their theology. We don't know anything other than the fact that they're being persecuted in the name of Christ, and we've got to stand behind them. You know, we've got to, we've got to. Uh, offer the support that that the church should offer yeah i mean you're 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 dead on with um the church has got to unify and this should be something that all churches Mm. all throughout america um can begin to um support through prayer uh mainly i mean i don't know i don't know how do you how do you impact Afghani Christians who are, you know, literally living uh, in the mountains, running for their lives from a religious terrorist organization, um, other than to pray, you know, like Randy, Randy said when we were in Africa, like, if you can go to Africa and not pray, you can take your yourself over to Africa and put yourself in the middle of a of a rural African village and not hit your knees and you ain't going to pray. And I feel that's the way this is. You know, we have no resource. What, what resource do we have to try to help these people right now? Nothing. You're exactly right. Prayer is the only thing that, that we have. I mean, you know, they're, sure there are goodwill organizations out there that can probably organize and put relief together and, and so on and so forth. But realistically here right now, yeah. As a as a church family, I'm talking about Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church. 
this is a this is something we need to be hitting our knees over. Yeah, even the relief, even if they did get uh, an organization to go over there, they're going to be in just as much danger mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as the Afghani Christians are now. Other besides the fact of a of a military, you know, coming in, there is nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing we can do except prayer. Yeah, just to give you some, a little bit of um, reference here, I know we've talked about it in the church service, but. Um, not everybody who listens is a church member. Sure. Um, it says that the Taliban has a hit list of known Christians they are targeting to pursue and kill. The U.S. Embassy is defunct, and there is no longer a safe place for believers to take refuge. All borders to neighboring countries are closed, and all flights to and from have been halted, with the exception of private planes. People are fleeing into the mountains looking for asylum. They're fully relying on God who is the only one who can and will protect them. <laughs> uh, the, the article goes on and talks about the sex trafficking yeah. and the rape and the way that the women and children are being treated over there. They're saying that they're sending out guards to search the homes. If there's a girl over the age of 12, they mark the home so that somebody knows to come by later and get the girl. Um, what was that about the 25-year-old? If a 25-year-old married woman has been found, the Taliban promptly kill her husband, do what they want to her, and then sell her as a sex slave. Yeah, it, it's almost unfathomable to think about that this could exist in our world. You know, like here we are, we have, you know, trillions of dollars uh, invested all across uh, the globe. We have, you know, just this, this the technology that we carry around in our pockets, um, the ease of life that has come with those technological advancements and the things that, that we deal with on a day-to-day basis and to think that somewhere in the world, and this is not new, you know, it's not some, it's, on, it's in the focus lens right now, but there have been people who have lived in these conditions for since the, the last, beginning of time? Yeah, but <laughs> I'm I'm talking about in modern since we've been alive. Sure, you know people have lived in these conditions for for years. You know, and it's almost just breathtaking to think that we that this could happen. This could exist in our world today, but it does, and we are so numb to it. We, you know, I know that this has stirred up a lot. There's a lot of history here. There's a lot of emotion here. Um, connected to our generation, and, and I just keep thinking, you know, we have we have lived through so many things that I thought, looking back, the this would be the, the this would be the defining thing for our generation. Uh, I'm talking about those who were what I'm thirty I'm thirty four I think I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, you're 30. I'm a year older than two. 35. Years. Yeah, Luke, 35. you're 35. So, you know, speaking from that that perspective, and you think about the things that we have been through, just, it, you know, it seems like to me that the evil in the world is multiplying exponentially. Um, so that, you know, you have, a, you have generations who dealt with one big thing that was uh, sort of defining for that generation. 
And, and you look at the past 30 years of American history or world history and just think about all that is, has transpired over those 30 years. It's, it's crazy. You know, are we any better off than, than our than generations before in terms of uh, the security of, of the world and, you know, all of those things come into play here. You know, and you just have to sit back and think, well, you know, what is, how can, how does, how does one navigate as a, as a believer in Christ in these, in these times in this culture? Um, and that, that question, I think, is going to be really important, especially for our kids, you know, because they're going to live in a world where the church is sketchy. Yeah. At best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're going to live in a world where, you know, we think that this can't happen in America. We think that, this, that, that these kind of things, this kind of persecution is, is uh, impossible. But just look at the past 30 years and see where culture is going. You don't think that, you know, there could come a day where people are persecuted based on the apps that are on their phone in America. I'm just, I'm just looking at this and, and thinking, you know, if this doesn't send us to our knees, like standing in the middle of the desert in Africa, uh, if this won't send us to our knees, then, then there's, no, there's no hope. Nothing is going to send us to our knees as 30, 40, 50-year-old Christians in this world right now. If this, if this won't then, um, then, then we're we're in trouble. What's that old What's that old saying? Uh, if this don't light you fire, your woods wet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I talked a bunch there, but I just I, I, I'm I'm broken over this. I it's, think though that one one thing is, you know, you got to look at what caused this to happen. Over mm-hmm. to start with, it was us pulling out of Afghanistan. I mean, we were the light over there that was allowing these Christians to move and function, keeping the Taliban back. Now, you know, you said, are we better off for, you know, the way we are here? 200 years ago, the world mm-hmm. was like it is over there right now. America still, you know, shines, even though the past 30 years have mm-hmm. been terrible. I mean, we do still have the freedoms to do and to, and to go and have apps on our phones and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have to praise God for that. But uh, could it happen here? Uh, absolutely. There's no reason why it couldn't happen. Uh, no other time as of now has uh, persecution been as worse. I mean, you look at China. Mm-hmm. You look at North Korea. This is just the, the new this thing. Is, this is in the last year. <laughs> you know, we, we talk about uh, people going in and killing husbands and doing what they want to with wives, taking daughters. Um, this was stuff that was happening <coughs> hundreds of hundreds of years ago. Um, persecution in general has always had an ugly face. Yeah. Now you look in the Bible when uh, the Babylonians came in and took over Jerusalem. Uh, go read Jeremiah and Lamentation. They were eating their own children mm-hmm. because they were going to starve to death. Yeah. And so, you know, we see it, you know, and we, we're kind of sheltered, too. You know, we, we think that, you know, these things ain't happen. But if you do catch the news, 
and you talk about, you know, China, they've got one Bible per congregation. Mm -hmm. And if they get caught with that, then, you know. That was one of the, the saddest things in this article is said that those that ha were members of her uh, were members of, of house churches, they dare not meet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because scared they're scared to meet. But there are, you know, informants and um, spies everywhere, it says, you know. Yeah. It's so sad. And I think, too, it shows just exactly how bad, you know, we paint this pretty picture of the, of the Muslim religion. And, you know, the Muslim extremists like the, the Taliban are just, you know, and, and in their eyes, you know, in that religion, they think that they're, they're doing, you know, Allah's will, you know, killing the infidels, you know, Islam is supposed to take over the world. Mm -hmm. And so to them, that's, you know, they're, they're, you know, numero uno on the right track, but. Yeah. And, 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 you know, as, as desperate as this seems, right, we know that God is sovereign. And that, and that over and over and over again, the testimony of the church has been when persecution comes, the church grows out of it. That somehow, some way, even though there is persecution, even though there is you know, torture, and even though there is death, the church is still going to multiply. The church is still going to go forward regardless of it. And, and, and God uses persecution in the lives of his people in order to bring about his will uh, for them and for, you know, their nation and their, you know, whatever it is, you know, and we have been so fortunate not to have to deal with this kind of persecution, you know, here. But the, the truth of the matter is that the, the, the norm for Christianity, the norm for the church has been persecution. It has been this way for those people. There you go. Um, and God has used it. And so, you know, we'll all three go home tonight and sleep in our beds with our children and probably not worry about, you know, somebody coming and checking the apps on our phone and seeing if we're Christians or not. You know, but at the same time, we should long to, to, to be involved in things that are worthy of persecution in the world. Um, and, and, you know, to stand firm on things that have made what you were talking about, what, that have made America so great, you know. And part of that is standing on, on biblical principles, biblical morality, you know. Well, that left the building 40, 50, 60 years ago. You know, so, so all we're seeing now, I think, in America is, is repercussions of that. Um, and yet still, somehow there is no persecution. It really makes you wonder, you know, what is God doing in the American church? <clears throat> well, God has blessed the American church for such a long time. And, you know, of course, just in my opinion, I, I believe that, that the American church is, is about to be under the 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 correcting hand of mm. 
Christ. And I believe that it's just, you know, it's a matter of time. You know, you're saying we're, it's lucky. We're lucky that we haven't had to face that here. But, you know, the, the winds of change yeah. blow fast and hard. The writing's on the wall. So, yes. Well, on a much lighter note, <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't know Luke, uh, this is Luke Lunsford, a uh, member of our church here. He's got a, a beautiful family. I'm going to let him tell you all about him and tell a little bit about what he does. Um, well, he's a kind of a man of many hats, but he has one that's really kind of interesting, and I'm going to let him share about that. <clears throat> well, I've got uh, one beautiful girl. She's nine months old, getting close to it in a few days now. Um, got a master's in ministry, and uh, I'm, I, I do a YouTube channel, and um, basically what I do is I review certain books, uh, mostly ones that pop my interest because, um, you know, you, you usually you can pick what you want. So mm -hmm. I haven't bought books in a long time. Um, but it, it, it didn't start out that way, of course. You, you have to beg and plead starting out with to get any, any kind of uh, free stuff. But I do Bibles as well. I do uh, uh, Bible reviews for all the major publishers, Crossway, Zondervan, uh, HarperCollins, Lifeway, uh, so that covers all the main translations. Yeah. And uh, basically, I, I, get, uh, I get new Bibles every quarter, and I get books when I want them, when I email them and ask for them. And uh, i got a YouTube channel that's got over 1,200 subscribers, and uh, it's, it's just booming. So it started out really small, though. It started out, I'll tell you how it started out. Thank you. That was going to be my question. I got... <laughs> I wanted. I went to Lifeway. That was back when Lifeway still had brick and mortar stores, and uh, you know I was wanting a new Bible. And they had uh, back then. I was using the Christian Standard Bible, and uh, it's a great translation. It was the the very first review I did was on the Christian Standard translation. It was when it just came out, and so I went into Lifeway and I was looking and I seen this beautiful pastors. CSB and it was single column text and you know it had nice leather and everything and it was like 80 bucks and I didn't have the money mm -hmm. you know? I thought man I, I really want that and so I'd, I'd been a, I, on Facebook I had been a part of a few groups like Bible groups you know and uh, I seen people on there reviewing it and I got to asking questions you know I would message them and message them like how are you doing this and so they would tell me and so I started, you know, I started doing my own Bibles because I had, I was going through seminary at the time and I had, you know, 10 or 15. And I would, I would sit down and I would go through and, and look at the binding and the paper and if it was Smithsonian and, and so on and look at the layout. And I started doing that. And so once I got, you know, 50 subscribers or 100 subscribers, then I could contact the publishers. And Crossway was always great. Uh, they're very liberal about sending you stuff, and, yeah. and there's blogger review programs that you can get into. But, yeah, one thing led to another. I don't even know how many videos I have on my YouTube channel now. <laughs> hundreds. I know hundreds, but I don't have no clue the exact number. Yeah. And that what's is, the name of the YouTube channel? It's just Luke Lunsford uh, Bible and Book Reviews. Cool. And there's there's a lot of other other people that, uh, that do that too. But, uh, you know, the Crossway... Uh, once you get to a certain point, they'll send you anything. Yeah. Like I, I got the big five-volume goat skin reader set. It's like 500 bucks. They sent it right to me. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's great for me because I give, you know, I give yeah. Bibles away. 
Yeah, and I think that's you, awesome. You, yeah, you've given the the Bible the Bible that I preach from is is the one that you gave me. Um, so, uh, by the way, just to um, plug here. Uh, speaking of Crossway and they're you know giving away books, we I ordered probably I don't know it was early summer. Um, I saw a thing come across Facebook or um, something for pastors that we could get um, a, a free book uh, from from them, and so I I set it up, um, and so we now have um, in our me and Jesse's office, which is never used, um, we have about, I, I think, probably 300, um, 300 uh, Gentle and Lowly uh, by Dan Ortland. Um, so I've read it. I read it over the summer. Um, I want to reread it um, again. I don't know which camera this is, but we have these uh, in the church. So if you want a book, um, sort of a devotional book, not really, it's more of a chapter novel type, not a novel, um, like chapter by chapter kind of thing, not a devotional, but um, then then see me, see Jesse, see somebody, we have them here, there's like 300 of them, so, so come and get one, um, and I don't know what we'll do with it, I don't know if we'll, we may do something on a podcast with it, we may do something, you know, chapter by chapter on it, though, um, but yeah, they've given us these, so so we, let's take advantage of it. Um, come get one, like I said. If you want to take them to your business, you want to you know put them in a bathroom stall somewhere, whatever, uh, come get them. And we also, I just signed up today, I found there's another one coming out called Rediscovering Church. Hmm. Don't know anything about it. Don't really know, you know, other than, you know, my first read much about this. I, I, I can't wait to hear what people think about that. Um, so, Luke, tell us a little bit about your journey to Lincoln Avenue. How did you, where, where have you been? Where, where'd you come from? Where you it's been a long journey. Um, so I guess, you know, I, I grew up in church. My grandmother took me to church and uh, it was primarily uh, Holders Grove. And then later on when I got older, it was at Webb's Baptist Church. And uh, so, you know, I went through my teenage years, didn't, you know, didn't go, whatever. And uh, me and Jennifer had gotten married, and uh, we'd talked, you know, kind of wanted to get in church somewhere. So uh, she had went to uh, Cosby Independent Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. It's a tiny little church. Um, that doesn't matter, but it was, um, it was our home church. And so we started going down there, and we didn't have a clue. You know, we didn't know nothing. It was actually the church I got saved in. And uh, so we went there and we joined and, and she was teaching Sunday school class. It was like maybe 10 of us. Um, and then the pastor ended up leaving. And when he left, we left. Uh, it wasn't anything to do with uh, him leaving. It was just that I felt like I was being led to do something with the youth. Uh, so I had went to Webb's Baptist Church as a kid and, you know, knew everybody. Uh, Frank Bell was still the pastor at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he pastored for like 50, maybe 60 years. I don't know. Um, so we went there and uh, uh, knew Joel Bell and all of them. And so after a few years, I got to do the youth. Well, um, you know, that led to 
one thing or another. And then uh, it was in that church actually where I felt led to preach and, uh, you know, announced my calling and went to seminary and started all that. And then, uh, and then once we left there, um, Frank retired and he quit for a little while. And we left there and we went to all kinds of different churches. And, and too, I was preaching at the time too. And I was going to, you know, churches all around in Cock County. And, uh, but it was at that time, uh, it was kind of a transition period for me. Back then, I was still, um, I wasn't into the Reformed theology. I was still in dispensationalism and all that. And so as I was going through seminary, I had some friends, you know, that was going to school with me. Uh, they were all Calvinists. And, mm -hmm. and so they kind of, you know, led me into that. And so after that, you know, we, we kind of went a year where we was just going to different places. Well, none of them were hitting the marks for me because I wanted a preacher that was preaching verse by verse and, um, you know, sound doctrine and so on. So I, I'd gotten to the reform group and, uh, you know, I changed my idea of thinking to a Calvinist and a reformed theology. So, you know, I knew of no, I searched the internet, I looked everywhere and couldn't find any reformed Baptist churches anywhere close. I think well, there might have been a, a small little group in Marshtown, Knoxville, or Asheville. Mm -hmm. And so there's a Presbyterian church on the hill up there. And so I said, well, you know, I mean, yeah, we kind of differ in, in some of the things, you know, pedo-baptism and, and stuff like that. But I thought, well, you know, we didn't have any kids at the time. I thought, well, I can overlook that, you know, for sound doctrine. <laughs> and so we went there for a little while. We never joined or anything and, uh, you know, got to know all of them. And then uh, something happened. Randy, I'd posted a book. Matter of fact, I think it was one of those books right there on Facebook. And Randy messaged me. Yeah. And uh, I guess, I don't know, I think back on it now, and I guess I was kind of rude to him. I was like, you know, I said, are you trying to have me jump churches? <laughs> 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 you know, I felt bad thinking back about it now. But then, you know, then the pastor left up there, uh, Bill, uh, Bill um, I can't think of his last name now. William, we called him Bill. Anyway, he left, and so I told Jennifer, and Jennifer didn't really like the whole Presbyterian, you know, the baby baptism, yeah. <laughs> and, and the way that they held worship was a bit uh, liturgical. Yeah, and 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 so you know, so we, I said, well, let's go check out, you know, Lincoln Avenue, and so when as soon as I talked to you know, Randy. And, and you know, got kind of the, and I guess I, I may have talked to you and, and Edwin and kind of questions on your theology and yeah. and different things. I thought, well, this this will this will work good. So yeah. here I am. <laughs> I can remember. I don't. In my mind, I think it's we were in Africa at the time, but maybe we were just. In yeah, I think it's were because I was messaging Randy and he was yeah. like, I've got to get service. Yeah. Indians were in Africa. But he kept telling me, he said, there's this guy on Facebook. And I, I, me and Facebook have an on and off again relationship. <laughs> um, so I'm off right now. And I think I was off at the time. <laughs> but there was, he said, there's this guy from Newport that is cracking me up with his, with his reformed memes on his Facebook. And I was like, who is it? And I said, he said, it's, his name is Luke Lunsford. And I I didn't know you from Adam, I don't think. Um, but I got, I got to looking at the pictures on there, and I knew that 
you know, Jennifer had gone, I'd gone to Cosby with Jennifer in grade school. And I said, I don't know him, but I know her. I said, she's from, she's from up on Cosby. I said, you know, uh, and so he said, this guy's, this guy's awesome. He was, he's like, he's cracking me up. And I don't remember if you commented on something. I don't remember, but. I'd probably borrowed all those memes from oh, yeah. the reform pub, more oh, than yeah. likely. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, that's how, that was my introduction, introduction to Luke um, in the middle of Africa, which Africa keeps coming up today for some reason. So. It'd be anyway. nice to see it come up as in a mission trip. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Well, Luke, um, you brought some books for us tonight. Uh, why don't you introduce these books to us? Tell us a little bit about them. And, and, uh, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to set this up. Okay. So I text Luke <laughs> 4 o'clock. Two o'clock, maybe. I don't remember. And I already had these books in the car, by the way, before <laughs> you, you sent me that article. And I said, we're going to do a podcast. Top three most influential, influential books in your life. Uh, and so I've got my three, but I didn't bring them with me. And Luke, you've got your three, right? Yeah. So how do we want to do this? Back and forth? Sure. All right. We'll, we'll let Luke go first. Okay. So I, I, got, I did bring three. Um, two of them, I think, well, the first one was the most influential in my spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other two, uh, most influential in my theology. Uh, so the first one is Fox's Book of the Martyrs. It's an old book. Um, I haven't read it in like, it's been 10 years probably. Um, but uh, some of the things, and, and the reason why I say I brought that before I ever knew we were talking about the persecution in, in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. um, was, you know, man, when I first read that book, I was just amazed at the faith that those people had. And it made me want to have, you know, a stronger faith. I remember talking to one of my old preachers and he said, you know what, what would you do if they came in and put knives to your children's throat and said, renounce Christ or we're going to kill them? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have kids back then. I do now. And I think about that and I'm like, you know, but in this book, you know, it goes through uh, from like the first century, I think, up into the 19th century. Like I said, it's been years and years, but it talks about, you know, possibly how the way that the disciples died, and then it goes in the centuries, so on. But there was one that always stuck with me, and it was like this three-year-old kid that him and his mother, they, they had got them, and they were going to kill them, mm. and I want to say they were going to boil them alive. And... The kid, now this is a three-year-old, would not renounce Christ because his mother had taught him from an early age and he had such faith in Christ that he, then we're talking a three-year-old. Oh my goodness. I mean, you talk about three-year-olds today yeah. and, you know, and, I, and that's one of the things I think is so important why we, we teach our kids, we catechize our kids. Amen. And, and, because, man, I, and there was more than one example in there of that. But I think that one, for my spiritual walk, to keep me focused, to keep my faith in Christ, I think that one, hmm. for me, was one of the big ones. And that was Fox's Book of Martyrs, yep. correct? Yep. Yeah, it's an old. You can get it for near nothing, and, you know, it's been around for years. Yeah, it's probably a public domain at this point. More than likely, yeah. You can probably get it on PDF. Stand on it. Yeah. All right, Heath, what's the... The, are we going? I guess we're going top down. So, what's the most influential book in your life? The most influential book has to be for me. 
And this one, this is a tough one because the two are close. But I think it has to be The Pilgrim's Progress hmm. by John Bunyan. Um, it's another one of those that's in public domain, though you may try to get it and read it in, in, yeah. the, in the public domain format and might not get through the first chapter because it's in that old English type of style. Um, it's tough to get through. There are uh, more modern, modern versions updated. now, which I, I think I read, the first time I read it, I read it in um, the modern translation sort of thing but the last time I read it was with my with my two my twin little girls and we uh, we would sit at night and as they were falling asleep I would read them uh, sort of the children's version of the Pilgrim's Progress and it is just it is a beautiful story um, fictional story but it, it essentially what it what it is is an allegory for uh, the Christian life and um, the things that, that happen throughout a Christian's life and, and the glories and the triumphs and the pitfalls. and um, it's, just be- it's just a beautiful picture of, of the Christian life and, and, and the goodness of Christ and, and uh, the, the, uh, event- the eventual um, being with Christ. And, man, you read The Pilgrim's Progress and you get to that last part um, where Christian, who is the main character, um, Christian has to cross the, the dark river and go into the, uh, into the celestial city. Um, and it, I mean, it's just breath. I, 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 I'm in, almost in tears thinking about it right now where he has so much doubt in, in the midst of that river and yet he keeps his eyes on that celestial city and, and walks over to the other shore and, and meets his, his father. It's just a beautiful beautiful picture um, uh, and it's one of those things that's sort of uh, life-defining you, you can almost find anything that happens in the life of a church or in the Christian life and you can see an allegory for it in um, in that book <laughs> and a lot of times you don't have to look real hard why don't you uh, why don't you share a couple of the names of some of the characters he, oh goodness! Well, you meet um, obstinate and pliable very quickly. <laughs> uh, in, in two separate characters. <laughs> yeah, um, and they and they live by their by their names. Um, you know, I mean, there's just there's just every there's just every everything you could possibly think of, and and the other part of it is you could read the book and be blessed by it, but to know the history and to know that. Here's a man who was preaching the gospel, a Baptist guy preaching the gospel and, and being arrested for it because he didn't have a license to preach from the Anglican Church. They kept throwing him in jail and throwing him in jail, and he just kept saying, I'm not going to get a license. I'm not going to preach that way. Um, just to know how much you know he, uh, he went through and to write that book. It's just a beautiful, uh, beautiful picture. Um, of the Christian life. And if you haven't read The Pilgrim's Progress, uh, Randy and I have talked several times that um, there ought to be a required reading list for church members. Uh, and I think number one on that list for, for me would be uh, The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. So I'm going to tell you, if we have a required reading list, I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. My, my, um, my, my reading stops at about 2,000 words. I'm done after... <laughs> Two thousand words at a time. That's a. It's a. It take a while to read some books. But anyways, let's talk about number two, Luke. Okay, number two. 
is going to be um, this world is not my home, the origins and development of dispensationalism. Now you see where I'm going to go with this. This is why I said it was the most important to my theology is because um, when I read this book, I was in that transition period. Uh, we didn't have a church at the time. I was still going to seminary. And the Lord was working with me in that time to you know, kind of correct some erroneous doctrines that I had and some thoughts. And so this book was a big one. Um, he, he lays it out and kind of goes back to the foundations of dispensationalism. You know, it's not been around that long. 200 some odd years, give or take, right there. And, um, you know, it, he talks about the big ones, Schaefer and, and Schofield, Darby, the original one, but uh, it was one that really, really hit home, too. Not admit, no, there's not a lot to talk about on this one because it is a, thought, a theology book, so it's, you know, unless it's something, one of those things that interests you, it's going to be dry and yeah. terrible. And say <laughs> the name of it one more time. Uh, it's called This World Is Not My Home The Origins and Development of Dispensationalism. And it's by Michael Williams. Um, he was, uh, let's see, he's the Associate Professor of Systematic Theology at Covenant Theology Seminary, mm. Theological Seminary. Cool. All right, Heath. All right, so I have to give some background on this one. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be good. Yeah. <clears throat> so I was, in, I was at CIU, um, and I was in the throes of figuring out what my theology was. And I was um, <laughs> honestly bucking the Reformed uh, theology that was being taught in the classrooms at the time. Um, and I can remember it was a whole thing because um, Matt Dinsky was there with me. Um, and we, we would talk about it constantly because we left here at 18 in, you know, not by name necessarily, but everything that I've ever been taught was from a dispensationalist point of view. Um, so that's where I was, and so I remember trying to grasp at anything that I could find that would that would you know settle me on something other than uh, Reformed theology. And, um, and so I was reading books like, and you know, some of these are just going to blow your mind. But I was reading books like. Um, Velvet Elvis by Rob Bell. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that sounds like a great place to get your theology. Oh, gosh. Oh, Rob Bell, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was reading, you know, uh, stuff by like Erwin McManus. Um, and just, you know, these guys who just were off the deep end. I can remember, you know, Rob Bell and, and Erwin McManus and. Um, what was the other guy? The blue like jazz guy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember Donald Miller. Is that his name? Uh, I, I can't remember. Anyway, just I mean, just stuff that to, that I look back today and I'm like, what in the world? I mean, these guys were, you know. <laughs> what were those? What were those videos that the Numa videos? The Numa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was. I mean, I I was just I was searching. That's what I was sure. doing. But I remember that somewhere in the midst of all of that, and I don't remember if this was. Uh, at CIU or if I was in the ministry in Orangeburg at that point. Um, but I remember I got, um, I got a hold of The Holiness of God by R.C. Mm. Sproul. Um, and that for me, I think, was, was the, the, the uh, turning point mm. of 
really beginning to understand what it is that I believe about the scriptures. Um, because his whole point is in the book is that, you know, yes, God is, you know, merciful and he's, he's wrathful and, and all of that. And he's not, but he's not merciful, merciful, merciful. He's not wrathful, 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 but he is holy, holy, holy. Mm. Um, and just to read that book, and I think... That's one that should be on the required reading list. That's a good yeah. one. I, I remember I gave it to um, the men who were in my wedding as my wedding gift. I mean, they were probably ticked, right? I mean, they got they got a theology book. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was, it was, Je- I mean, the people were, you know, it was Jesse and Randy and uh, and Edwin and, and those <clears> guys, and so... You know, that one for me will always be, you know, uh, up there. You know, and there's there's others um, that I could throw in there, but that one, um, that one is probably. That, that is a, you know, that is a great book. And it's not a. Uh, it's not a long read. It's not a tremendous read. I, I have it's read. It's a Jesse book. I have read that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's round out your, your list here tonight, Luke. What's, what's last on the list? Okay. So the third one. <laughs> is I didn't have as much problem coming over to the reform yeah. side. Um, I just, you know, once I, I, I looked at it and, and I couldn't refute it. And so it all just kind of clicked for me, even though I had the whole background of mm-hmm. the dispensationalism. So um, once I, I grounded on it and I, I looked at the scriptures and I said, okay, so I can't refute this, this must be true. Uh, then I started digging into uh, the reform groups, okay? So mainly, you know, you have the Reformed Baptist, which mm-hmm. is a small group, and you have the Presbyterian PCA. It's the conservative, you know, you don't want to go PCUSA. They get, you know, bad. And so my third book is... No one is <clears> safe <throat> on this podcast. <laughs> this, is, this is the book that I had posted that I got when Randy commented. Mm-hmm. And I cannot recommend this one enough that if you're in between your theology on credo versus pedo baptism or, you know, Reformed Baptist or, you know, the two different views of the covenant theology, this one, and it's by Pascal Denault, okay? And this one came from um, Solid Grace Christian Books. It's a great little bookstore online. Uh, you can get all kinds of, of good uh, Reformed Baptists. But this is the distinctiveness of Baptist covenant theology. And it's a comparison between 17th century particular Baptist and Pado baptist federalism. So it gets into some deep theology of the differences between the two, the Reformed Baptist. And it, and it really all it does is it just boils down to the covenant with Abraham, mm-hmm. how you look at the covenant of Abraham and what um, the covenant was with his children, you know, and um, so that's how they get the, the infant baptism is because it, it's a continuation. I can't say that continuation of the Abrahamic covenant with circumcision. You know, they say that that never was annulled, and so somehow that magically comes into the New Testament as baptism. And they get that by good and necessary consequences. This is another little book that you can get. Um, but 
you know, the Reformed Baptist view is, is that you know, Abraham had spiritual children and he had regular children. And, mm-hmm. and so even in Israel, all the Israelites, you had uh, Israelites that were you know, physically children of Abraham's and you had those that had faith as the spiritual children. You know, even, and it boils down to Isaac and um, Ishmael. You know, they were both Abraham's sons. One was not so good, and then Isaac was the one of promise. So, and then it gets way deeper than that. That's a very short, simple explanation of it. But like I said, you cannot go wrong with that one. That's a highly, highly recommended book. And it was great. I read the whole, and it's just, it's small too. You know, it, it, you can read it. I think I read it in maybe a day. So, hmm. Doesn't take me longer than a day, but I can give it a try. <laughs> How many pages? Yeah, it? oh, it's like 160 pages. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's toilet stuff, right? Okay, I got you. <laughs> All right, Heath. Uh, what about the what about the last on your list? All right. About? So before I give my number three, and we kind of okay. wrap this up, Luke, do you have any honorable mentions you want to throw out there? I do have one honorable mention, but it's not a uh, it's not a book. It's more of a devotional. Yeah. Um, but it's called The Valley of Vision, and it's a book of Puritan prayers. Yeah. And um, it is. It, it, it's by um, Banner of Truth, yeah. and it comes in two or three different uh, covers. They come in a goat skin, a hardback, uh, several different ones. Uh, but if you take that and you read that every morning before you get your day started, uh, and they're just short, like little one-page yeah. uh, things. But everybody, if, if you look around in the reform groups, everybody talks about the Valley of Vision. Yeah, it's a great little book. Hmm. Yeah, we were we were actually at um, on a family retreat, um, and we were at a bookstore, and, and Mom was saying, you know what, what books here do you recommend? And I saw Valley of the Vision, and uh, and she picked it up. So she's been reading it. Um, I think for the past couple of months. I'll tell you how loved it is. Before they came out with a goat skin cover on this, people were getting it rebound mm-hmm. in premium leather. They would buy the hardback copies and get it sent out, spend $200 to get it rebound in a nice leather that was going to hold up. That's awesome. It was crazy. Wow. Um, any more honorable mentions? I got a couple. Um, just sort of off the, off the top of my head. Um, don't waste your life, John Piper. Um, really important book for me. Um, though I haven't made it through this completely, the Institutes. Um, <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah, I think is is very important. Um, maybe not, you know, the most important one, but the Institutes of Christian. Religion, I think is the name of it, right? The Institute. Yeah. I just call it the it's Institute. Like, There's like four or five volumes. Yeah. Um, you can get a one-volume uh, book by uh, Banner of Truth, I think. Okay. Um, and then uh, another one. This one's really sort of out there, um, but really an important one for me uh, is The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. Um, he's a Chinese Christian who when he was writing these books, had absolutely no um, influence from any outside uh, spiritual, theological uh, source. And he was in the middle of China. 
uh, and he was a spiritual leader in his church, and his, the, he wrote The Normal Christian Life um, for his people, for his church people, and it is, it's, he's not a reformed guy, he's not, you know, he's not 100% on everything, but, but the book itself is just, it's off the chain um, as far as that, but, but for me, um, number three, and this is one I just read recently, um, but since I've had children, it's been, it's been so important to me. I'm just thinking about it, and I actually read it. Um, I read it because Nathan, my brother, uh, recommended it to me, or, or I recommended it to him and hadn't read it, and, and then he read it, and you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's, uh, it's by J.C. Ryle, and it's um, called Thoughts for Young Men. And uh, that book, I mean, he wrote it in, I don't know, 18-something, um, and you read it, and it is, it is the young, young men today um, and just how desperate we are in, in need of uh, young men who will stand up upon the, the truths of the gospel and live their lives in holiness. And um, just, it just throws out the American, uh, it, just, it just demolishes, tears down this, this idea of adolescence and 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 uh, you know, twenty-four-year-olds who are still, you know, doing stupid things, and and you know, should be standing up, you know, preaching the gospel and teaching the gospel and living out the gospel, and and um, so it, that one for me uh, is is amazing. So uh, there's so there's so many more though. I know I'm forgetting. I know Luke probably feels the same way. I think Jonathan Edwards did something similar. To oh, really? I, I'm, I think so. I think I've got it at the house, but I, it's just a short, it might maybe just be a letter, um, but I don't remember if it was to young pastors or young men. Mm-hmm. Um, it was part, I've, I've got it somewhere at the house. It's, it's at the end of his resolutions, and uh, he talked about yeah. something Spur- similar. Spurgeon has one for mm-hmm. his students. Yeah. Um, yeah, to my students, you can get that on PDF. I read yeah. some of it, but I didn't read all of that. So, uh, so those, you know, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Um, trying to think if there's any more that I would have would have made the list would be on my required reading list if we had one for Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church. Yeah, Mere Christianity would be on there. I can't believe you guys have uh, left out Systematic Theology by Gruden. <laughs> Uh, you know that. Just... I'm not going to get into Gruden. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like him. <laughs> oh goodness, just teasing. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> Jesse and I talked about because you know Jesse wanted to be a part of the conversation too, but doesn't know how to read. Um, <laughs> what other? That's so what ugly. other? That's so ugly. <laughs> what other forms of media have been influential for you guys? I'm talking podcasts, YouTube channels. Um, Anything, anything like that, um, that you would recommend for our people to to check in on? Uh, you know, for me personally, I don't know that there's necessarily any one one thing that I rely on. Yeah. You know, I just I just do a lot of searching. You know, if, so if 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 that's the question, then you know the search bar in the the Bible app and the search bar on the Google are probably two of you know in which that you know there there are negatives that 
excuse me, negatives to that also because, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do read, it's because it's, you know, a, it can be reactionary depending on, you know, what's happening and what's going on, you know, but, but for the most part, when, you know, just when I, as I'm studying through the Bible, you know, I'm, I read along, um, I read along with um, uh, commentaries and, and just try to, you know, weed through it and, and figure it out. And sometimes if I get something, I'm going to ask you guys, there's something that I am, am, I haven't looked up yet. I've just been talking to Wendy about it. I've been reading through Joel and it's talking about the Valley of Decision. And that just, uh, that was something that I don't know that ever, I don't ever remember. I would have to read it in yeah. context. I mean, yeah. with Joel, there was a famine. Yeah. And I yeah. believe so. Yeah. It was a Joel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a short, was it three? Yeah, it's four like four chapters. chapters. It's nothing. It just, it, you know, there, well, it's talking about the day of the Lord, but it was just, I never had heard the day of the Lord called the day of decision. That, mm-hmm. that, that is my question, you know, whether ta- or, and it's not talking about, you know, um, that, yeah. It's, it's talking about Christ, not, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, Edwin is really passionate about the day of the Lord um, being today. Mm-hmm. today. is Today is the day. Mm-hmm. Um, repent and believe, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't remember the last time I read. I, 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 I would have to sit down in context and <laughs> yeah. read it. And look yeah, at it. I have no idea either. Um, Luke, what about what about you? Anything podcasts, YouTube channels, preachers that you listen to regularly? I think um, the first one I really got into was a website called. Sermon Index, and um, I got a hold of some Paul Washer mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. right off the bat. And I remember listening to him and, and you know telling my preacher at the time, I won't, won't say his name, and nothing. I said, hey, have you seen this Paul Washer? And he's like, no, I haven't seen him. Well, you need to listen to this guy. And um, and so he comes back to me later, and he's like, man, he's over the top. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I like about him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that one, uh, I think RefNet, Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, that's a that's an app. app. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can get that on the app. I do have that app. And anything uh, by RC. Yeah, I mean you can go to his his website, Ligonier, and I sort of say the Ligonier app is. Yeah. I lie. There, I do have resources that I use. I just don't realize it. Yeah. Truth, the Ligonier app is a great resource. And I think John MacArthur too on his Grace to You. I know. I mean. He he's done almost the entire new. I think he has done the entire New Testament verse by verse at this point, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's kind of leaky dispensationalism. He says, and but I mean I think he's still a decent decent preacher. Yeah, uh, Lawson, any of those, they had actually Lawson just had a, a conference over here in Asheville. My a buddy of mine that lives over there went to it. That's yeah. all I can think of. Uh, you know, the um, um, the Desiring God website, John Piper's yeah. um, website, has got some, some great resources on there, some great things where, uh, you know, lots of videos. There's an article on there for anything. Anything that, that you know, you're, you're trying to, to study and glean, there's, there's some... 
some wonderful resources on there. Um, I've never listened to Piper. Crazy enough, I've never really? listened to Piper. He's, yeah. I, I have a special place in my life he, for John Piper because he did so much for me in terms of helping me, you know, understand. That you're... Uh, I'll throw a couple out there. One I'll mention and is uh, Randy will kill me if I don't mention it. The White Horse Inn. Oh yeah, <laughs> is a pod- yeah. Is a podcast by um, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Um, I, I would have known. I'll look it up uh, if you hadn't have, if I hadn't have said it. Um, anyway, the White Horse Inn. It's a. I, they put out a couple episodes a week. And you can get Seems that like, like on Google Play or anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then another guy that I've recently come on to that is just really awesome, I think it would be really awesome for our, for our church people, is, is a podcast. I think it's a Ligonier podcast um, called Simply Put. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he basically just takes, you know, complex things that we've all kind of always wondered about and, and puts them simply about what they are. So, um and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I spent a lot of time doing that and still haven't got the name yet for you. Michael Horton? Yeah, Mike, Mike Horton. That's mm-hmm. it. Mike there Horton. You go. Shane Rosenthal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, I, I'm, I am going to plug that Legionnaire app again because it has got um, film from conferences. I mean, it's got... It's got a trem- It's just a tremendous amount of resources on there. It's it's virtually never ending. Daily devotionals, all kinds of neat stuff. It's a it's a great resource. All right. Well, I think that's about it. I think we've pretty much covered everything. Yep. We can come back again sometime and and fix the rest of the world's problems. But <laughs> thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll catch you again next time. <laughs>